Father, we thank you today for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your, your spirit. We have been keeping an eye on our brothers in the Ukraine, our sisters in the Ukraine. And again, our hearts are broken because of what they have had to endure. Seeing them, oh God, many of them worshiping you in the snow after their building was bombed. Kneeling in the snow because there was no place safe for them to go into. And they've been thanking you and giving you praise. Father, today we say thank you. Thank you for the, the opportunity to come into this sanctuary. Beautiful edifice. Thank you for the car that we're driving. Thank you for the relative calm in our own country that allows us to come and worship. We do not take it for granted. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my own heart be acceptable to you. Let every word be pointed in the right direction of every life here. Do exactly what you want to do. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Today, we're going to be probably partly preaching and uh, teaching even more. Uh, over the last several weeks, God has been directing me to, to really spend more time teaching than, than preaching. Both of them are needed in the body. Last week, we did uh, a pivot point, and we did not even complete that. We've got pivot point two, which should have been today. But God kind of interrupted some things, and I want to uh, pick up on another subject that we had from introduced a while back, maybe two years. Yes, that niece of mine, boy, she is growing so beautifully. I hear her praising God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. But I would like us to uh, press in on a subject, topic called... Uh, what do we do when God's purpose and our sincere desires don't line up? What do you do when God's purpose for your life and your sincere desire for your life doesn't line up? If you would go with me to the, and take a moment to, I know the subject is kind of long. What do we do when God's purpose and our sincere desires don't line up? First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. Then 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 29. It's a good bit of reading, but after we're finished, we're going to flow. I've got several points that I believe will impact your lives in a very significant way. If you've got your pen and your paper and your writing, do that now or take a screenshot. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes, and the captains of the divisions who served the king captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David arose or rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers, and my people, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest 
for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preps or preparations to build it. Verse 3, but God said to me, you will not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of his father, of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler and of the house of Judah, the house of my father and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons for the Lord, has given me many sons. He's chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. That is after me. Now he said to me, God, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is today or in this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord, your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Go over to the next, our second Samuel 18. We will be reading uh, maybe just verse 18. Let me double check that for you. I think I'm just going to read that. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself. This is a, another son of David who thought that he, because of his good looks, they said that uh, historically while Absalom was in his prime, uh, he would let his hair flow and grow all year and he would cut it once a year at the end of the year there was always a great big crowd waiting to see what the hair would look like and on average historically they said that every year he would cut about 10 pounds of hair from his head he was just that beautiful as a man I, I don't know how the two go together but Absalom was sharp and he, but he was not submitted to God. He looked sharp, but he wasn't sharp. Do you know anybody that looks sharp, but they ain't sharp? They look beautiful, but they're not the ugly. They look beautiful, but they're ugly. They act nice, but they're nasty. That was Absalom. And he died in like manner, as a matter of fact, he lifted himself above his father, tried to kill his dad, and eventually the same hair that everyone admired and looked at him and said, boy, you're the prettiest thing we ever seen, men and women. He was pursuing in battle against his father, and his hair got caught in a branch as he was riding his horse, and uh, he got hung up in a tree, and one of soldiers... Uh, David's uh, key men of valor, Joab, Joab came by and he knew that David didn't want him to do this, but David had a soft heart for all of his kids, especially Absalom, even though he was trying to kill him. And so Joab did not say anything to David. He just went right over there and swooped his head off of his body. And sent message to David and said, your son Absalom is dead. And, uh, but on the other hand, God 
chose Solomon to do what David wanted to do but was not in his purpose. So this verse says about Absalom, in his lifetime he had taken and set up a pillar of himself, <laughs> which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, the Absalom pillar, my Lord Jesus. And to this day, it is called the Absalom pillar or Absalom monument. David's life was woven together with two distinct fabrics. He had a heart of worship. He had a heart full of worship. As a matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> Psalms 34 and 1 says, this is David speaking, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall do what? Make her boast in the Lord. Folks that reverence God like me will see it and rejoice. Then he said, come on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt him together. He wasn't just a worshiper himself, but he got excited about introducing worship to others. And then the other side of him was that he was called, as we read in the text, a man of war. As a matter of fact, in Psalms 144 and 1, it says, praise the Lord. Who is my rock? This is the same David now. He trains my hands to war. Oh my God. And my fingers to battle. When I hold a sword and, I'm, and I wheel it, it's not going to swipe at ear. It's coming back with some blood on it. Because God has trained my heart, my hands for war. And God decided how his life's legacy would play out. Let me say a couple of things that I know you already know, but I need to remind everyone here today. Satan knows God's got his hand on you. Satan knows God has got his hand on you. Satan knows you are the real deal. Satan knows that you are God's righteousness in the earth. Satan knows that you are the apple of God's eye. Satan knows that God's purpose and legacy for you will change generations. He knows like David, that the harder you fall, the stronger you get up. You've got a made-up mind for God. He knows. On the other hand, here is what God knows. Oh, oh, how many of us love to know what God knows? God knows you're not perfect yet, but you're perfectly his. Oh, my Lord, somebody needs to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not perfect as yet, but I am perfectly his. I have declared that I belong to no one else. It's Jefferson. No one else has devs in my life. The adversary will not take control of my mental faculties and my ants, my attitude, or my actions. That I am perfectly God's even in my imperfection. You may not be perfect, but you're authentic. How many of you could say that? 
I'm not perfect, but I'm perfectly his. I'm not perfect, but what you see is what you get. I'm not going to try to put on fake smiles and live a life of fakery. When I'm upset, I'll tell you. With God's help, I will not flesh out when I'm angry, but you will know. When I'm happy, you will know. When I'm sad, if you cultivate a Christian relationship with me, you're going to know. Because I realize that I need every brother and sister to run this race right. That's what God knows. He knows you're sold out. Why is that? Why, how does he know this? Because, because everyone else is looking at what? Your outward appearance. But God is looking at my heart. Let me tell you, the more I have pressed into the fact, the truth that God is looking at my heart, the less I have cared about what people say. Let me say that again. The more you press in to the fact that God is examining your own heart, he knows when you are, are, are naughty and you know, he knows when you are nice. He knows when you are what? He knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows when you're good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. That is Santa Claus. That's God. Telling me, but you better watch out. If Santa Claus was real, he still can't be everywhere all the time. That's God. You may not be perfect, but you're authentic. You, you, you're sold out to the process. He knows you are not completely whole, but you're completely his. God almighty. Woo! Glory be to God. See, if God isn't pushing you and squeezing you into a regular place of humility, it's hard for you to say, I'm not, I'm not completely whole yet. God's still working on me. But as you are in the process, you can say, you know what? You can look at me in a snapshot at any time, any point. You're going to see that there's imperfection. But you will also see that I got to press this morning. I got to press. I've got to press. How many can look at someone and say, I got to press for God. I've got to press for God. I may not be perfectly perfect, but I am perfectly his. He sees all of our outward imperfections. And he hears what people say about us. But that has no bother to him. Not one bit. Because while they are scrutinizing you on the outside, he's mentoring you on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm trying to keep this thing down. I'm trying, I'm trying to just, just, just move along slowly so you can get it. Thank you, Jesus. So what do I do? What do I do when God's purpose for my life and the sincere desires I have don't match up. Let me talk about David for a moment. This is a young man that was the youngest in his family. Everyone in his family knew him as the, the baby that takes care of the sheep. I want you to see that. Everyone in his family knew him only as the baby that takes care of the sheep. And while he was doing what he's supposed to do, as, a, as a, com, uh, a committed part of the family, of the family, God was working something else out in him on the backside of the sheep field. God could hardly do anything with anyone that's not doing something. You ain't going to be lazy and God just says to the angels, go 
He's so humble. He don't do nothing. No. That's not what humility is. Don't mix up humility with Sherina with, with laziness. We, meet, we, we, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. I, you see someone that, that, is not, that is not bold enough, that, that does not trust God enough to step out. They're just contented to play their life in defense. And quite often what we say is, boy, they, they're, they're really humble. They don't try to take over nothing. Well, I'm asking you to become more discerning of spirits. To know when somebody is, is just timid and fearful as opposed to being humble and holy or holy and humble. There are three, four things that I would like to say about David or four things that I would like to give you today that I believe are life helpers. God will position you for purpose. God will position you for purpose. Only God can position you for purpose. God's purpose nets you influence or leadership. God's purpose nets you influence or leadership. God will position you for purpose. God's purpose will net you influence and leadership. Sometimes just one, sometimes both. Look with me at 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16 verses uh, 60, uh, 10 through 12. Uh, that's, the, that's the second one, 10 through 12. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. These weren't scraggly young men. These were all strapping, well-built-looking, healthy young men. As a matter of fact, all of them were already involved in the army of Saul. Keep going. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there what? There he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he went and brought him in, and now he was Rudy. That, that, that's not a, that's not a, a beautiful uh, description. I, I don't want anybody to say I'm Rudy. He wasn't that cute as he was coming up. He's I. You know what you say? He I. He's a, he was I. David was was I. You know he's just he's he's Rudy. Good looking, not absolute good looking. And the Lord said, "Arise and anoint him." This is the one. What did I say? God will position you for purpose. God's purpose will net you influence or leadership. When God did this, nobody in his family had yet known the fact that he had already dealt with fighting lion and bear. I want you to see this. What they knew about him was that he was good with sheep. So they are all baffled. It's the reason he was not called in with the rest of them. Listen, if you, if you are seeking after God as a worshiper that David was, and his worship also was developed in secret, I, I want you to see this. All that his family knows about him is that he is really good with the family sheep. What God knew about him 
was that he was a worshiper. What God knew about him was that he was trained well with his hands in secret. That he had developed the skill with a, with a sling that no one else around that, 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 that area had and still nobody knew about it. That he had engaged and defended sheep against lion and bear and still nobody knew about it. It is not as important for people to know about you as it is important for God to know who you are. If God knows you who you are, then you don't need to worry about anything. If God knows your name, you, I can tell you that favor is following you. If God knows your name, I can tell you that blessings are walking you down. If God knows your name, I can tell you for sure that success is in your back pocket even when you don't feel it or see it. Look again very quickly at, at 1 Samuel 16. Go over to 1 Samuel 16, verses uh, 14 through 18. 14 through 18. 14 through 18. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him, and Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit of God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servant who uh, are before you and seek out a man who is skilled in playing the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hands when you're distressing or when that distressing spirit from God comes upon you and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me a man who can play that well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, look, look I, I, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem. He's a Bethlehemite who was skilled in playing the, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and handsome, a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. I want you to see that this is being said about David. This is being said about David. And his brothers are still looking at him as if he's nobody. In another portion, they're going up against the Philistines when he goes to Goliath, right? And he is taking care of sheep. They're out there with their straps on and their belts and buckles and, and, and sword and, 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 and spears and shields. And none of them have the heart to go up against Goliath. Not every soldier, not God calls every one of us to be a soldier. Is that what I said before? But not every soldier is ready for what? For warfare. You need to make sure that as you pray and you align yourself with people, that you are aligning yourself with folks who don't just look like they could fight, but they can really fight. There's nothing worse than, you know, before you were saved, there was nothing worse, young man, uh, than going someplace with some friend of yours that's 340 pounds, and you just know because he is meaty and bulked up that if trouble come, he's going to be the man. And sure enough, Trouble came at the football game, and you did like this, and he's over there walking away. Why? Because he looked like he's ready to fight, but, but he's not ready for warfare. David was chosen because he was ready. He didn't look like anything, but he was ready for everything. Why? Because God was fixing him up on the backside of the desert. Can I tell you this morning that God is fixing you up for your Goliath moment? Hallelujah. 
Can I say to someone this morning that God is fixing you up? He is doing stuff in your life that quite often you will not understand. He is aligning you with people. He's making connections in your life that you don't quite understand. Where, why does God have me here right now? Why, does God, why did God put me in this situation? Why has God allowed me to, to, to begin to form friendships uh, like this? When I could, I could go an easier route. Well, I can tell you why. Because there are blessings down the road for you. There is a breakthrough in your purpose coming up. There is an open door that God has already set for you. And you just need to give it time and be patient and humble yourself before God and live in worship. He's getting you there. He's getting you there. He's getting you there. He's getting you there. You're online. You're watching us this morning. And I'm telling you, God has got his hand on you for purpose. Just because you don't feel it or see it doesn't mean that it is not real. God is not a man that he should lie. Number two, sometimes God will use his purpose for you to bring someone else into destiny. Let me look, let, let's, let's break this down for a moment. God prepared David, David's hands for war when no one else saw it. Right? David prepared himself for worship when no one else saw it. Both of these gifts are being developed in a dark place. Both of these gifts, these things, all people know him as is the shepherd. They don't know him as the hands of war. They don't know him as someone who brings the anointing when he worships. I think many times we are, we are I got to say it again, we are, we are so, so tied in to the, to the, 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 connections of, of humanity to the, the pressures of society that even without knowing it, we find ourselves always trying to, to, to align to what someone else wants. We don't want to stand out too much. We don't want to put our heads above the water. We want to just blend in. Just let me live my life uh, and, and, and I'll just be a good Christian. Let me tell you, the days for being a good Christian is over. Look at somebody and tell them that. The days for being a good Christian is over. You cannot afford to serve God in an, in an covert relationship anymore because the devil is out in gangbusters. He's not walking around with a candlelight trying to get people on his side. He's got a bullhorn on a truck with, 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 with 48 wheel uh, base inch rims high off the ground, painted in, in a loud green color. And he is calling people out on his side. Come on over and I'll give you this. Come on my side and I'll give you that. He's got, he's got floodlights all over his truck. And then we passed by a Christian on the lane, and I could see the devil saying, yeah, oh, don't worry about it, guys. That's just a good old Christian right there. He's not attacking you because you are not pursuing purpose. He's not messing with you right now because you aren't creating no waves, and I'm telling you, God is preparing you to create waves. God is developing you to become a floodlight, not a flashlight. God is developing your life in secret, almost in obscurity, almost in dark places. Not so you would emerge and just be a single person of very little notoriety. No. 
he is developing you so that when he pulls the curtain off of you like he did with David, you go from being a shepherd to being one that people will chant about in honor. Proverbs 22 and 4, I said it. The reward for a humble person who has reverence for God is wealth, the honor of others, and long life. I don't know about you, but since I stumble on that verse, I keep speaking it to myself. I, I will be a man of long life in Jesus' name. Father, continue to pour purpose into me because I know if you got something for me to do, you're not going to take me away right then. So I don't need to ask him about giving me long life. All I need to do is say, God, give me purpose. What do you have for me to do now? Give me something else to do. Pack me up with purpose because I know that if purpose is active in me, he ain't calling me home just yet. Sometimes God will use his purpose for you to bring someone else into destiny. With all of this prep, worship on one side, war on the other side. Master with a slingshot in one hand and a worshiper of great means on the other side. I was looking at YouTube the other day. I, you know, I, I heard, read the story of David, and I said, I, I challenge you to go on YouTube and pull up, uh, just you can put in a, a slingshot users, powerful slingshot users. And I saw that, that several guys, but there was one guy there that literally at 100 paces, 100 yards away, he would take a slingshot, and just use, his daughter would use the skeet shooter where people launch clay pigeons in the air and shoot them with rifles. He had his daughter shooting clay pigeons into the air and would just naturally, just without much of anything, he would just go, pow, knock it down, shoot another one. Pow, knock it down. I saw him go through five or six shots and with a slingshot in his hand, he was able to tear up clay pigeons one after the other coming out of a skeet shooter. David had that skill developed when no one else is looking. No one from his family had a legacy of playing the harp. It doesn't say anything about anyone playing a harp in the legacy of David's life before him. So how did he learn to play a harp and not just play it, but play it and sing by himself and the glory of God come down? God was developing him. But here's where the problem comes up with many of us that you believe, you quite often believe, we often think because God has developed something in you, that's what he's going to pull out of you. Here it is, David, because he has become such a masterful worshiper, he's authentic with his worship. He says in his mind, if I could be the, the most, most committed humble worshiper that God ever created, then God is going to use me to build a temple. And God says, no, because you have hands of war, by, by the way, that I developed in you. Oh my gosh. God is the one who has developed this in David, this skill. And then God turns back and says, because you are a man of war, because your hands are full with blood, because you have become such a mighty warrior, you can't build a temple. But what I will do is I'm going to let your son Solomon do it. 
I wondered for a while, how come he didn't get upset and, and mad with God? And I realized that the fact that he was a worshiper, not just a worshiper, but what's the word we, we use? Because he was a consecrated worshiper. Because, because he wasn't some guy presenting the filet mignon of worship on a garbage can of a life that is, has not been washed. Do you know anyone like that that can really worship? They can really sing and bring the house down. But when you look at them closely, because their lives are not consecrated, they time and time again try to present the filet mignon of worship on a garbage can life. Would you eat food from a garbage can? Would you allow your child to go into the kitchen and take a dish out of the sink and put food in it and bring it to you as a parent? I know what would happen at my house. If my mama saw that, I wouldn't even get to eat. She would tear my behind up. Because it don't make any sense for you to try and put this, this wonderful meal on a dirty plate. And we continue to do that. But David wasn't that guy. David was a consecrated worshiper. And yet God says, I know you're a worshiper. I know you're consecrated. I know that your heart's been right in worship. But, but, but I also know that this is your desire. You think because you are a consecrated worshiper, you are, you are a shoe-in to build a temple. But I decided different. Are you ready this morning for if God decides to use you in a different way than you planned? Young people, I'm talking to you. Are you ready for God to use you in a different way than you planned your life so far? Do not be, I'm, I'm talking to somebody, someone, my son, I spoke to my son because for a long time he was so, he, was, he would be here in church with me all, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, Davian. And we, at the same time, we were praying for a job. God, you got to give him a job. Lord, you got to supply this job. He needs a job badly. And would you know God gave him the job with the money he wanted and everything, but it's on Sunday. Back in the old days, I know what mom and dad would tell us. We don't care if the job paying $40 an hour. We're going to church on Sunday. Tell them no. I took a little less of, you know, less of an aggressive approach and I said son here's what I know if your heart is after God he's going to make the adjustment for you let me say it again if your heart is after God he's going to make the adjustment for you here's what you can't do you can't accept the job and do it like a slacker you can't take the job that God has opened for you and do it like a slacker and expect God to make the adjustments. The minute you do it as not unto God, you have taken him out of the equation to make the adjustments. And the same thing goes with your life. As God opens the door in your life, if you don't press into consecrated worship, if you don't become a consummate worshiper, Lord, I see where you're blessing me. I see the open door you give me. I see how you have been on my side. So now, instead of just lifting my hands in worship, every opportunity I get, I'm going to lay down now and worship you. That your increase in my life is not an opportunity for me to decrease in my worship. Your increase in my life is an opportunity for me to increase in the quality of my worship. God says to him, you, 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 you wouldn't do it. I'm letting your father do it. I'm letting your son do it. Your son Solomon. And I am absolutely positive now from reading the book of Psalms when in Psalms like 22 uh, uh, 122 he says I will lift up mine eyes to the hills 
where does my, my, my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. Only somebody that, that's, that, that, that has known God intimately can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I, I shall not be in lack. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though. Mm, he lead me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though. I do what? Walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Only someone who has had an intimate relationship, who's been developing that kind of relationship with God. He wasn't a worshiper because he was planning to ask God to build a temple. He was a worshiper because that's who he was. And at a certain point in his life, he figures at that moment, well, you know, I, I love worshiping. It sounds just about right that God would use me. I mean, I, and then, so when God says no, it doesn't blow his mind. Why? Because he wasn't worshiping to build. He was always building his worship. Oh, 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 he wasn't worshiping to become a builder of the temple. He was always building on his worship. And when you are always building on your worship, God can say anything. He can change any plans. He can, he can come and say, today, I'm deciding that you need to come home. And you don't panic, you don't worry, you don't stress, you don't backbite, you don't curse God and die. No! You say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and I will not forget his benefits. Help me, Lord, to not just become, but stay in my worship place. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Let's wrap it up. Number three, being a worshiper is not an option, it's an opportunity. Being a worshiper is not an option, it's an opportunity. Being a worshiper is not an option, it's an opportunity. That is why he wasn't upset. Deacon Derek, is, that's, that's the reason he wasn't upset. Because it was an opportunity. He saw worshiping as an opportunity to make God bigger wherever he went. It wasn't, I'm going to worship him if he let me build a temple. Many of us have that attitude, and we don't even realize it. I'm, I'm going to be more consistent if God give me the job. I'm going I'm to be a better giver. I'm going I'm to help people if God would only bless me. Whenever your worship is an option, you will miss all of the opportunity. Whenever you treat your worship as an option, you will miss your God opportunity. When you make your worship an option, you will miss your God opportunity. So being a worshiper is not an option. It's an opportunity for me to let God know how I feel about him. Number four, your giftedness can be connected to your purpose and destiny, but that's not always guaranteed. Just because you can sing really well 
doesn't mean that God's going to use you to lead a whole church into worship. I never thought, I never ever thought that God wanted to use me or would use me in ministry. My dad and mom, I believe, saw those things in me, but I never saw it. And one of the reasons was that I was just a rebellious kid. I was someone who wanted to make their financial mark in society. I, I wanted to make m money. I don't want anybody telling me what to spend and how to spend it. I want to make my own destiny. That was my mindset. But somewhere in there, I, I've always been an intercessor, I believe, like my dad. Just developed that over the years. So that any time I was under pressure, I would go back to Psalms 121, you know. You know, God, you're, you're my help. 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 This morning as we close, I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. What do you do? What, what should you do? What, what will you do when, you, when, 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 when God's purpose for you, like David, is to have hands of war and do God's will through this method over here when all you want to do is do it this way over here. And God says no. Do you understand this morning that if you submit to God's purpose, oh my God, this is what got me. And I'm closing right here. That if you make a commitment to God's purpose. Almost 100% of the time, Al, he comes back around later and gives you the desires of your heart. Whew. I see it in my own life. That when you commit to purpose, God's desire your desires are going to come through. How many of us have desires? You got desires in your heart. You got desires. You got, I got desires. I got desires. And I tell you, I'm challenging you guys, young and old, that the devil is going to come in many different forms and try to get you, press you to pursue, to pursue your desires. Whether it's through education, whether it's through connections, whether it's through whatever, he will press you to go after the desires. He will say, it's not a sin. You're not desiring a sin. You're not trying to be bad. You, you're, not, you, you're still an example. But it's your desire. Your desires aren't bad. But your desires will wreck you if you go after your desires before you connect with God's purpose for you. So this morning, can I ask everyone to stand? We're a few minutes after 12. I give you glory, honor. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy. Would you take a moment and just, just talk to him, talk to him, tell him, Father, help me, help me, help me, Lord, help me, not to put my desire in front of your purpose. Don't let me get be tricked by the devil. I, I don't, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to fall into his trap of going after stuff that may just very well be good but it's not purpose. Is there anyone here that wants to fit in God's purpose for them? So go ahead and tell him, Lord, fit me in your purpose. Fit me into your purpose. Fit me into your purpose, Lord. Fit me into your purpose. 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 Would you take your, your cup?
is all about, about recommitting to God's purpose. Saying, God, what, 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 what do you want me to do? What, what, do you, what do you want for my life? Maddie, God has blessed those legs, son. You're one of the most awesome soccer players I, I see in young kids. But I'm telling you, baby boy, if you don't rise above the crowd and say, Lord, these are your legs. These are your feet. I'm consecrating myself to you first in purpose. Dreams will crash. Why? Because God's life is part of your spiritual DNA. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for your body that was nailed to the cross so that we could have a choice. I could choose to walk in your purpose. Before you died on the cross, a priest had to kill him. A goat, a lamb, a turtle dove, or something once a year to temporarily cleanse my sin. But today, I could come to you and I could say, because of your blood that was shed for me, I got choices. 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 Your blood has given me choices. 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 Lord, I choose your purpose. I choose your purpose. I choose your purpose. Let it be so in my life. Father, we sanctify these emblems. You said as often as we celebrate this, your blood that was shed, your body that was nailed to the cross, we must remember why you did it. Today we remind ourselves that if it had not been for your grace, your mercy, your willingness to stay on the cross, to go to the grave and take the keys of hell and death from the adversary, that we would, not, we would be hopeless. So we sanctify our emblems. Let the celebration of these two emblems representing your body and your blood bring us into freedom of purpose in you. In Jesus' name. Eat with me. his blood that was broken, shed for our sin, that washes away our iniquity. Drink with me.
We are not leaving your presence. We are not leaving your presence. We are taking you with us. And we thank you again for your loving kindness and tender mercies in our lives. Be glorified today. Watch over us, cover us, protect us, bring us back to fellowship on Power Up on Mondays, Wednesdays, Bible study Wednesday night. We thank you again in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.